Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. to the bank I go to the bank every day and to drop off the deposit for for work mm-hmm. and I'm there I hand it over to the teller and she starts counting and another manager came up from another store we're buddies and we started talking and he's got a big beard I have a beard and he's got long hair looks like Santa Claus and I look like Billy and so let me preface this so, like, earlier this week, my boss pulled me aside and said, hey, you had a complaint. I said, hey, if I had wheels, I'd be a fucking wagon. I don't care. Like, I don't care anymore. And he said, you were, he said that you were being, like, dismissive and rude. I said, oh. I said, okay, well, from now on, I'm going to make it um, our policy that when you come in, you get a hug. <laughs> We'll give you a hug. And with one purchase, Billy, the Snuggle Bunny Jones, will give you a little hair tussle. That way you feel good. <laughs> a little nuggy. Fuck, man. Really? I thought we were fucking adults. Yeah. Anyway, I think I know who it was that fucking complained about me. And he came in. He wasn't very nice either. So It wasn't the chick with the debit card. No. Although I was really <laughs> expecting her. I, she never complained about me. And I think it was because of embarrassment. Yeah. Because I told her to fucking stop, which I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> but, um, so he came up to me. He's like, hey, what's up with that guy that complained about you? And I said, I really don't care. I said, he was, he, he walked in, he was kind of being a dick. He was being smart alecky type of thing. And I just, I wasn't having it. And, and no, I respond in kind. I'm actually, a, and I've said it before, I'm a very nice person. I'm a very nice man. Uh, but if you, are a dick, I'll be a dick. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to placate. I'm not going to kowtow. If you're a dick, I'll be a dick right back. I'll give yep. you. I'll give you what you give me. I'm the same way. <laughs> but if you're nice, I'll be a fucking angel to you. But anyway, I think I know how it started. The guy came in and he was like, "What the fuck? I hear about this place being sold." I said, "What the fuck do you care?" <laughs> that's how the, our conversation started. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that's where the complaint came from. Whereas the next person came in and they're like, "How you doing?" I'm like, "I'm good." <laughs> how are you you know but you know i'll give you what you give me yeah so that's where the complaint came from and so <laughs> he was like what was the complaint about i said uh fuck hyphen that i don't know and i don't care whatever it is whatever it is the teller looked up and she was like did they complain about you needing a haircut and i was like no but fucking wow where you <laughs> went just now in your head <laughs> And she's like, and she started laughing. She's like, oh, I didn't mean anything by it. I said, I think I should take a hint, I guess, right? <laughs> and the other manager was like, what are you trying? He looked at her. He's like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> she was like, nothing. I'm sorry. I was just, you know, I I, I didn't know. Because, you know, the company's bought and I thought it was new new policies and stuff, you know. <laughs> and then she started counting again. And she was like, so what do you complain about? You guys need to shave your beards? And we're like, what? What the? What? What, is, what is going on? <laughs> she totally adverse to beards. I think she just doesn't like hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's my story. But wow. It was just like, wow, you're you're really stuck on this. Like, Maybe feel- they have an ongoing thing where she teases him about shaving his beard or something. Really? Because he looked just as surprised as me. Maybe her boyfriend has a beard and he just broke up with her. I don't know. I don't She's know. Just like what, shave what your fucking beard. I don't know. What, I could tell by her face and by her mannerisms, everything she said was completely innocent. It's like mm-hmm. she, like she didn't mean any, any harm by what. And I did. I didn't take offense to it, but I'm, uh, but like that was a weird walk back to the car. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, like reevaluating myself. I'm like, God, do I look horrible or something? Like, I'm driving. I'm going like 30, and I'm looking in the rearview mirror at my beard, like. Do I need to trim it? Or I don't know what I need to do right now. Well, and you know me. I always said for years and years, I didn't ever want you to have facial hair. Now that you have it, it would be weird if you didn't have yeah. it. Yeah. 
And after it gets so long, it gets cozy. Mm-hmm. You know, at first it's prickly and sharp and annoying, especially like during sex. It's like, ah, it's abrasive. Yeah. Feels like Velcro. Stop it. Tell you how many times I've had red marks all around my mouth when we've kissed. <laughs> and thighs. When you had, oh, okay. But anyway, <laughs> but after it gets long, it gets soft and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's fine, but. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just, she went from one to another and it was focusing on the same thing. <laughs> and then she was like, they should never tell you guys to, to trim your beards because that's just, that's just mean. And I'm like. Where did that come from? I, I, I was like, it sounds like you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole you dug yourself into. Exactly. Like, no one mentioned the beard. Nobody said anything about hair <laughs> at all. I said it was about me being a dick. I said this at a bank. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bank next to a police station. <laughs> like, it was about me being a dick. <laughs> and nothing to do with hair. But yeah, just, she said, like, it was about you guys needing haircuts and stuff. I was like... No, but fucking wow. To wow, that. do you need a facelift, wow. Brenda? Wow, to what you just said. Thanks, Brenda. <laughs> it's about how you guys don't do enough cardio and you have man boobs? No, but um, <laughs> thanks for peeling That's off. That's where you took it. Thanks for peeling off that scab. Holy shit. <laughs> and I know who she is. She's coming to the store before to get boxes and stuff because she builds her kids like in Boy Scouts and she builds like cardboard boats for them and... and, and wraps them up in duct tape and seals them so he can go in little competitions and stuff. She's a very mm-hmm. sweet woman. Yeah. And she didn't mean anything about what she said, but the way she said it, I was like, wow, fucking trying to fucking say something to me right now? <laughs> Should I take a hint? Holy shit. Hintity hint hint. Wow. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm not saying I don't like your beard. It's just, you know, you, you can also not have it. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. I'm not saying you stink. I can breathe out of my mouth, too. <laughs> wow. You know, like, it's like, it's like, it's like, not a, I could just avoid your odor. It's like not offensive, but it's like, wow, you really fucking, I know what you're thinking about right now. Holy shit. All right, my name is Erica. I'll be your host this evening. I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Billy. Harry Billy. The bearded snuggle bunny himself. Yeah. <laughs> Who apparently needs to fix that shit. No, it's good. I like it. Hmm. Yeah, I said I like your facial hair. Y'all it's taken me it. a long time to come to grips with that. It's adorable. It is. It's all soft. I tussle it. Here, come me... get it. Come get it. Oh. There it is. Yeah. It's like a noogie for your chin. I love chin noogies. Chin noogies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So this week... We got a fun one for you guys. We're gonna. Yeah, Erica seems to be enjoying this more than. <laughs> like it's kind of. The minute I saw the topic when I was searching online, I was like, "Oh, we have to do this." You struck gold. <laughs> yeah. I was like, just seeing headlines. I was like, "Oh, that's so fucking funny." I'm a horrible person. You're awful. I'm such a horrible person. All right, so. Um, this is the point where if you give a one-star review, direct your criticism to my wife. <laughs> hey, man, you heard the disclaimer. You dark bitch. <laughs> it's not safe for work. There's explicit language. And it's for immature adults, okay? I am one of those. You're the, this time, you're, you're, the, you're the one. Yeah, it's me. Me. Because it's funny. <laughs> This isn't an so. Eric. This is not an Erica Go show. This is an Erica Goofy show today. <laughs> okay, so for this episode, this is like your blooper reel episode, which is weird because <laughs> the topic's actually awful. But it's I mean, it's completely awful. But so completely look funny at you because it's so ironic. It's just okay. We're going to go back to a sunny day in Connecticut, July sixth, nineteen forty four. The Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus was touring the U.S. and had set up their big top in the city of Hartford the day before. She's actually doing motions. She's gesturing as, she, as she's reading it. It's grand. It's it's wonderful. You're still doing it. It's the happiest place on earth. For Erica. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> their three-ring circus tent could hold up to nine thousand spectators, which, of course required lots of equipment and staff on hand to make it run smoothly. Due to the involvement in World War II, 
the circus had been running their show short for a while. Just the day before, the trains carrying the equipment and staff was so late that they had to cancel one of the two shows that they had planned for the fifth. To us people that aren't circus folk, this doesn't seem like a big deal. But there was a superstition in the circus. It was bad luck to ever miss a scheduled performance. Why? Foreshadow. Look at you. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't know that was bad luck. Is it like how like with actors you're technically not supposed to say break a leg? I don't know. I didn't know that was a thing. That's I think that's a thing where like somebody's about to go on stage, you can't you can't say break a leg. Because then they might break a leg. I guess. <laughs> um, I know like in the Air Force, it used to be in the Air Force, you couldn't say hip hip hooray. Why? I don't know. I guess it was bad luck. Like it curses, it, it, it'll curse your mission you're going to go on. Hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like. That's a weird one. Like three cheers for Captain Anderson. Hip hip hooray. Hip. Yeah. And dude, you can't. Because then he's the next to die. I guess. And his wife gets a flag handed to her at her doorstep and i guess you brought down your own fun episode that's death yep (laughs) after this drink i'm cutting you off horrible human the evening performance on the night of the fifth went off without a hitch but the superstition would become a reality the next day when the circus would become one of the worst fire disasters in U.S. history. It'd be weird if, like, the bearded woman was, like, the superstitious one. You know, like, in old, like, pirate movies, there's that one guy's like, them there seas be calm, me no like it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she she's, like, outside poking her furry beard headed out, which really spoils it for the for the lookers. We're having know? a lot of beard talk tonight. We really are. <laughs> But like when, when that sucks, if you saw the beer leader poke her head out and look at the sky, and you're like, oh, well, there she is. Fuck, there's no buildup or nothing. Anyway, if she's the one, she's like, we're late. This is bad juju. <laughs> bad mojo, man. Now, I personally have never attended a circus. And the Railing Brothers Circus had its last performance on May 21st of 2017. So chances are I never will. I've never really had an urge to attend a circus performance anyway, but from research, I know that there were trained animals like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. You couldn't wait to do that. (laughs) I even put it in parentheses in my research. God bless it. As well as elephants and other various animals. And the animals are one of the key reasons that the circus ended because for several years, they had a lot of backlash about the treatment and use of the animals from PETA, ASPCA, the Humane Society, among others. Everyone's like, you're being mean to those animals. You better cut it out. I really like PETA. I like ASPCA, though. They're good people. Yeah. There were also circus performers like clowns, high wire acts, and other death-defying stunts. And And Steve, who could do that weird thing with his tongue. Where he could, like, bend it and, like, make it a scoop. Yeah. That thing. Yeah. Or as the French call it, that weird thing with his tongue. Yep. I know that thing. I don't speak French. No, you, you don't. You know that thing, though, don't you? No, I remember Stubbly like... beard. I remember like three words from French class. I took two years. It's It went in one ear and out the other. It was no... I spent too much time talking to my gay friend, Dane, who wanted to know tips and pointers about sexual things with other men because he didn't have experience. So... The experience that she had was with me. Yeah, so I was like, I can't believe you're asking me that, Dane, but let me tell you this. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, so. Hi, Dane. I don't remember (laughs) much from French class. Hi, Dane. Hope you found the man of your life. Uh, All of these things would be happening simultaneously in the three rings on the ground while thousands of spectators sat in bleachers around the edges of the circus tent. The tent itself is the crux of the story here. It was 450 feet or 137 meters long and 200 feet or 61 meters wide. It was supported by six poles that raised at 75 feet or 23 meters in the air. Altogether, it weighed 19 tons. That's a lot of fucking circus tent. That's a huge bitch. (laughs) 
It was made out of canvas, which is a durable material used for backpack sails, for painting, and for tents, of course. It is not flame or water resistant, which is why the top was treated for waterproofing and the circus hired what they called seatmen to literally sit under the bleachers with buckets of water, just in case there was a fire. Yeah, because you know, back then, mother, you know, motherfuckers were in, in, in the bleachers just smoking cigarettes and pipes and cigars, you know, because nobody cared. Yeah, the seatman's job was to watch for any signs of smoke or fire around the tent walls and quickly extinguish them with their buckets of water. Now, smoking was not necessarily banned in the tent back then, but it was discouraged. Do that, sir. If you you guys could please not, we'd appreciate it, but we'll look the other way if you do. Step right in, sir. Oh, is that a cigarette? I'd be money jolly if you took it out. No? Okay, you're going in. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) So every once in a while, someone would have a smoke, flick their cig under the bleachers, and it would occasionally smolder against the canvas. And this is where the seatman would jump into action and dump a pail of water on it, preventing its spread. Makes sense. Good job, seatman. They actually had to hire people to sit and watch for fire that could possibly erupt. And that shows, like, really diminishment of faith and and humanity. What's Mm -hmm. my job again? Watch for people throwing cigarettes against the canvas tent. But you don't want them to smoke in a tent. Yeah, but people really are dicks. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I guess this is why I'm here. And I mean, I know it's 1944, but if that were to happen nowadays, smoking in a circus tent with thousands of children, you'd be like, those horrible parents. That motherfucker would get his ass kicked, really. Could you imagine in an IMAX theater watching, like, Endgame? Not you, because you don't watch, you know, mm-hmm. Marvel movies, but still, like, somebody, like, like you're, you're watching, there's, like, moment of silence, and you hear that clink of a Zippo. Mm-hmm. Clink! You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. I it would... freaks me out to this day to think back, my very first job at Burger King, you remember, because mm-hmm. you've been in there, and we had a quote-unquote smoking section. Yeah. That was like a little solarium area out in the front of the building. And it's it like... A, it was a people greenhouse. It was like 10 by 30 feet or something. And it's like, that does not prohibit the smoke from going to the rest of the fucking store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's trippy to think back that, wow, you really could smoke in fucking hospitals. hmm Anywhere you wanted. <laughs> that's one of the biggest things I saw in the first episode of This Is Us was smoking in hospitals. That was a really good episode was the first episode. And I never watched another episode because from what I understand, it makes you cry. <laughs> we know you don't like to to cry at stuff. I don't mind being emotional when I watch something. That's fine. I mean, just don't put me near um, Steel Magnolias. I can't do it. But I have no problem watching like emotional stuff. But yeah, like there's this part. I'm not going to spoil it if anybody who's never watched this is us. I watched it basically because people keep telling me I look like a character in a show. Mm-hmm. And I don't, at that I'm, point, at yeah. that point, I, I saw the resemblance in pictures somewhat, but the first episode, that man doesn't even have a beard. I'm like, ah, this ain't fucking me. Yeah, I mean, I could but, see maybe some similarities later on, but... So I'm like, I'm going to check this out, and I watched the first episode, and I was like, that ain't me. And I was like, ah, oh, this, this season, series just started. I mean, like, give him a chance to grow a beard. So I'll probably go back to, like, whatever the current season is and then see. And I'll be like, oh, probably doesn't like me. But, yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything. But, yeah, smoking in a hospital. Weird. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Used to happen all the time. Yeah. As did smoking in a circus tent with a bunch of children. <laughs> an airport. Did I tell you about the airport thing where they removed the smoking room? Hmm. It was, uh, I think, my second tour of Iraq. We we, we, we came through the uh, Kansas airport. Dude, the airport looked like from the fucking 70s. They didn't change shit. Like, brown carpet, orange walls, dark brown fixtures. Look very, like, shining mm-hmm. looking. You That's know what exactly I mean? what I was thinking. Yeah, the they like, didn't change That shit. diamond pattern on the floor. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's, like, one of the only times I've seen a, a phone booth. Wow. Yeah. So the first tour I went was they had a smoking room. It was a glassed-off <laughs> thing. And... So the second time I went there was my... I can't believe they still had one of those. Well, they made him get rid of them during that time. So when I came back for my second tour... So the first tour, came home, sat for better part, maybe a year, and then went to Korea, and then went to Texas, and then went to Iraq again. So some time has passed. But we passed through the same airport. I guess we have a contract. We had a contract with them. And then 
it wasn't there anymore, but you look at the ceiling, it's a brown fucking square. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's where, and the, the, the wall's mm-hmm. discolored. If you walk over there, you can still kind of smell like an ashtray. And yeah. it's been years, but how many years has that been a smoking area? Yeah. We're way off topic. <laughs> Not too off topic. We are talking about a fire disaster. <laughs> yeah. This is us. It's sad. Go check it out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Moving on from sad stuff to more sad stuff. (laughs) So the top of the tent was canvas too, but had to be treated for waterproofing so that the circus could still perform when it was rainy outside without water seeping through the fabric, fabric and onto the crowd and performers. How do you do that? Like a sealant, maybe? I will tell you. Okay. The way they did this was the most ridiculously stupid way I've ever fucking heard of. It starts out making sense. They would use wax. Wax would fill in the space between the weave of the fabric and make it so the water would roll off. Yeah, make it beat up. So how could they get the wax soft enough to apply it to this huge piece of fabric? Get it hot, right? Well, this is where it gets really fucking stupid. They would take 1,800 pounds or 820 kilograms of this wax and dissolve it in 6,000 gallons or 23,000 liters of gasoline. Okay, that's not too stupid. It is stupid. But um, the tents that we stayed in in Kuwait, not anymore because now they have buildings you sleep in and stuff. That, but like during the invasion and everything, mm-hmm. they, I was like, why is everybody smoking in the tent? Maybe we shouldn't smoke in the tent. This is canvas. This is like back then. So this is canvas. Can't this go up like really quick? And I'm like, no, 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 They soaked it. I said, soaked it in what? They said they smoked it in fuel. I said, okay, that's even worse. <laughs> and they said, no, like the, the technique they use, like you can't, like it'll, from what they said, like they, it'll, it'll put itself out before it spreads hmm. type of thing. We'll find out if that's true by the end of this episode. I'm not talking about the Ringling Brothers. <laughs> I'm talking about out there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So they'd. Dissolve all of this wax in gasoline or petrol for all of our listeners across the pond. This was actually a common way to waterproof things back then by making them super flammable. The wax would melt in the gasoline over a period of time and it would all mix to become a liquid solution. That's like trying to drink yourself sober. (laughs) The solution was applied to the fabric using watering cans. So they would just sprinkle it over that And as soon as it would hit, it would immediately become gelatinous once it came in contact with the canvas. The gelatin was then brushed into the fabric with large push brooms and allowed to dry. And voila, you have yourself a waterproof but extremely dangerous around open flame circus tent topper. It's just that easy. Call now. (laughs) As seen on TV. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Now. The sides of the tent weren't waterproofed because it didn't really matter if water seeped through the sides, and it probably even helped the seat men out with stopping fires. The sides were sometimes lowered a foot or two below the level of the topper to allow for air circulation, except for the areas where the restroom tents were set up directly outside the big top. There weren't tops on the restroom tents, so if the sides of the big top had been lowered for air, patrons in the top rows of the bleachers would have been able to look out and down into the restroom tents which is why they would leave them up, because that would make things a little awkward for all involved. Unless you like to get freaky. Maybe. There's kids involved. I'd be like, enjoy the show, fucker. I know it's a different time, but... I would try to pee (laughs) Billy was here, but I don't know if I'd have enough in me. Well, needless to say... Well, back then, I'd probably have, like, tuberculosis. Some of it would probably be blood. 1944? Yeah, tuberculosis, yeah. All the outbreaks of tuberculosis in 1944. Yeah, remember that one? Anyway, go on. (laughs) Needless to say, the sides of the big top on each side of the main entrance where the restroom tents were stayed up. So now that we've got some of the details out of the way, 
Let's get to the catastrophe. They stayed up because they're prudes. <laughs> they're no fun at all. Yeah, somebody doesn't know how to party. It was an afternoon performance on Thursday, July 6th of 1944. The total number in attendance has never been able to be completely confirmed, but the closest estimate is somewhere around 7,000, mostly women and children. This is where it gets sad. The Lions had just performed, and now the Great Willendas were showing off their balancing talents high above the crowd. The crowd was all fixated upwards towards the performers. The band leader, a man named Merle Evans, spotted flames in the southwest corner of the tent near the main entrance, behind the section of seating called the Blue Bleachers. He immediately led the band in playing the famous John Philip Sousa song, The Stars and Stripes Forever, which was the way the circus staff were cued if there was an emergency. The ringmaster, Fred Bradna, tried to urge the crowd to not panic and to leave the tent in a calm and orderly fashion. But the fire shorted out the electricity and the patrons couldn't hear him over the speakers. And by then, the smoke had been smelled and the flames had been seen, and chaos was already ensuing. The oval tent had one main entrance and one main exit, both at opposite ends of the oval, the farthest distance apart. I have a question. Do you think the announcer actually had a microphone, or back then do you think he had... I'm not talking like Little House on the Prairie times, but I'm trying to think of like the period. Do you think he had that cone that you... The megaphone? Yeah, yeah, people, you know, with the handle on it. No, they actually had generators to run electricity through the tent. Oh, so he had an actual microphone. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, we had this long oval tent, and it had these main entrance and exit spots at the ends, the farthest distance apart. And then on the sides, there were three smaller exits, but two of those were blocked by the animal runways, which were the long chutes they used to take the big cats in and out of the tent, the lions and tigers. They'd run them through this big chute to their wagon outside or run them into the circus tent through that. That left six exits... For around 7,000 people. And FYI, all of the big cats that had just performed survived, being led back through the chutes with just a few minor burns, so there weren't any other animals in the tents at the time of the fire. But if there had been, it probably would have sounded like this. Tip him! Tip him, my boy! You were in the truck the whole time! Go! Escape all you can! No! No, Tip Tip, please! Leave! The fire is spreading! of the bleachers were able to get out safely with the ringmaster and ushers assisting them. But those on the upper levels had a more difficult time. Not only did they have to try to make it down the bleachers just to get to the ground where the exits were, they also had the rows of people that had been sitting in front of them trying to get out first. Many people at the top of the bleachers tried to jump straight down to the ground, sustaining injuries that made it impossible to get up and flee. Some ran around, desperately trying to locate their family and friends. Some exited safely, only to realize that someone in their group wasn't with them and went back into the inferno to try to find them. Many people fell in the panic and were trampled. As more people were trampled, the more clogged the exits became as people began to fall over onto each other, creating piles of bodies. And time started really ticking once the flames reached the waterproof tent top. Because, of course, it wasn't exactly waterproofed in the safest way. (laughs) The wax-slash-gasoline mixture quickly began melting, raining hot wax down onto the crowd as they tried to flee. (laughs) This is like hell rain before you go to hell. Yeah. The only thing worse than being stuck in a tent that's on fire is being stuck in a tent that's on fire and having hot liquid wax pouring down onto you. (laughs) It's like seasoning. 
fucking really? <laughs> Looking up at the top of the tent. <laughs> you're like trying to push, trying to get up, and you're like, ah, what the fuck is that? It's not even on fire over here. Ah, ah. <laughs> I hate the circus. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. You know, there had to be like somebody who wasn't right in their head, you know, like who who was really mentally going, mm-hmm. who has their tongue out, like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> It tastes like fire. <laughs> now the martinis in the cup first. It tastes like fire. <laughs> it tastes like pain and sadness. <laughs> I don't like it. Ah, oh, the back of my ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, within just minutes, the entire roof of the tent was aflame. And just minutes after that, the big top roof collapsed on everyone still in the tent, whether already dead or still alive. Hey, it ain't raining fucking fiery wax anymore, <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> just one big clump of fiery wax. <laughs> It took- I would be that one guy <laughs> as soon as I saw the fiery roof come toward me. I'd be like, yep, this is. Yep. yep. I get it. This would be next. Well, fuck. There are days. There are days. <laughs> Never thought I'd miss that raining wax, but here I am. <laughs> really wishing that was back. <laughs> well, it took less than 10 minutes to completely destroy the big top. People began getting rushed to Municipal Hospital, which was the closest hospital to the fire. The max capacity for inpatients at Municipal was 175, and 143 victims were brought in the first hour and a half, five of which were dead on arrival. Six more had massive injuries that they died from within the first hour. All the patients were given morphine injections subcutaneously as medical staff tried to start IVs through burnt, charred skin. They had to use femoral veins for many of the IVs as the groin area tended to be less damaged. Burns were covered with Vaseline-impregnated gauze and pressure was applied via either a light plaster cast or ace wrap. And I'm sure the hospital smelled lovely. Is that sarcasm? Because I don't think it smelled lovely at all. That was sarcasm. Oh, okay. A little bit. While the hospital was filling up, the recovery process began at the circus. Charred remains started being pulled from the circus arena. A temporary casualty station was set up nearby to take the remains. As the burnt bodies were pulled from the piles, a few survivors were found on the bottom, having been protected by the bodies that had burned on top of them. That would be weird. You've Mm -hmm. got a pile of burnt, charred bodies on top of you. (laughs) I don't think you'd be right for the rest of your life. Yeah, probably not. The state medical examiner and coroner authorized the movement of the bodies to the state armory on Broad Street. I bet all the rest of our life they just ate chowder. Chowder? Yeah, you wouldn't eat cooked meat. <laughs> like, Sam, we're going to a barbecue this weekend. Why are you crying? <laughs> so they took the bodies to this armory and tags were applied to each corpse as they were placed on a cot and covered with a blanket. The coroner, a dentist, and a state police trooper went one by one, examining each body, making notes on approximate sexes, heights, hair color, dental work, surgical scars, clothing and jewelry the deceased was wearing, anything that might help to identify the person who it was that they were looking at, because dozens were completely unrecognizable. The bodies were then sorted based on possible sex and age, to try to make it easier for loved ones to go straight to where they were most likely to find a specific victim. Four long tables were set up in the front of the building to prepare for family and friends to come and attempt to ID their loved ones. One table was for registrations. There would be a record of who was potentially missing and who was looking for them. At the next two tables were nurses and state police officers assigned to escort the family members around to each cot as they looked. The last table was a Red Cross canteen service. And by 5 p.m., so they made pretty quick work of this. This happened at like 2-something in the afternoon. (laughs) Get them in, get them out. By 5 p.m., the public was allowed to come into the armory for identifications just a little over two hours after the fire. Groups of 12 were escorted around by a nurse and a state trooper going cot to cot, trying to recognize anything familiar about the bodies that might be used for identification. 
Many people were hesitant to make definitive IDs because of the intense damage to the bodies, and they came back several times before finally declaring who it was that they thought it was. Because they were like, that can't be, that doesn't look anything like them. And then they'd have to come back and go, okay, well, that's that's the patch of fabric I remember from her dress, or that's the earring yeah. I remember of her. And then eventually they'd <clears throat> kind of come to grips that with one it. seems like there's no way, they're so, they're, they're so badly burned, there's no way. And then, like, they pass three more bodies and they're like, yeah, they kind of all, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, maybe the first one was, maybe this one is, I don't know. Yeah. The number of those that were injured and treated was over 700, but it's believed that the count was much higher as many people in shock left the scene without getting medical treatment. They were just like fucking in a daze, got in their car, just walked away, go home, and they're like the next day like, oh shit, I got a burn on me. Just dealt with it at home. How was the circus, honey? It was the thing. Yeah, it was a whole to do. <laughs> the the cats are okay. I hear tell they had a shoot. <laughs> the official Watch death- those blisters on your face. It rained fire. <laughs> you know, like the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> the official death toll was 168 which included a grouping of burned body parts that was recognized as a single victim. Many were left unidentified for a long time, one being a young girl given the name of Little Miss 1565, which was the number on the tag assigned to her body in the armory. And you can find a picture of her online, and she doesn't look too bad. She has what looks like a burn on her left cheek and a few, like, cuts and scrapes on her face. But... She would be totally identifiable by looking at her. But no one claimed her. She was buried without a name and wasn't officially identified until 1991. She was declared to be Eleanor Emily Cook, though her aunt and uncle said it wasn't her. The state police forensics unit compared hair samples and found that it was likely her, so it's believed that maybe the aunt and uncle had been shown the wrong body in the confusion after the fire. She ended up being exhumed that year and reburied next to her brother, who had also died in the fire. On July 7, 1944, flags at the state capitol flew at half-staff, while five officials and employees of the circus were arrested and charged with involuntary manslaughter. Well, wasn't this caused by somebody's cigarette or something? Well, it seems like they're kind of jumping the gun by charging people when the fire hasn't even been investigated yet, if you ask me. You don't know if it was intentional, deliberate... And you're already charging circus officials, but just my opinion. Just days after the men were charged, the circus made an agreement with the Hartford City officials to accept complete financial responsibility, but they would not accept responsibility for the actual fire. The men that were charged went to trial later that year, and four were found guilty and sentenced to prison terms. But they were somehow allowed to continue traveling with the circus to the next stop to help with the circus setup. So they're like, you're going to have to go to prison after you make your trip over there and get them set up. They need your help. <laughs> but they never... Now, now, now they're short a guy. And that's that's your fault. <laughs> short a few. <laughs> and, since, and since we found you guilty of this fire, we need you to go down there and help them set up in hopes that there's not a fire. Yeah. Stupid. Well, well, they never went to prison. They were actually completely pardoned shortly after. So that kind of worked out. Oh, good. You can't <clears throat> help accidents. I mean, shit happens. Exactly. During all of this, multiple investigations were done by multiple people and groups. They should have had Joe Nickel. He would have gotten to the bottom of it. He probably wasn't born in 1944. We don't know that. We could probably look it up. Call us, Joe. Come on, Joe. Hit us up. Tell us what you think happened. 5555. And if you can't do that, try 555-5555. Extension 5555. Call us, Joe. What's up, Joe? Anyway, so, yeah, if Joe had been on the scene, he would have gotten to the bottom of it. But they had all these different groups doing investigations. And the state fire marshal, who was also the commissioner of the state police, Edward J. Hickey. Busy man. His last name's Hickey. (laughs) He had actually been in attendance at the circus with a group of children when the fire started. And was quoted saying, holy shit. (laughs) So the state fire marshal was actually at the circus when the fire broke out. You know, I wonder what the fire marshal thought when he saw raining waxy fire. He was probably like, <laughs> well, now this ain't good at all. Like, 
he saw the fire, like, okay, uh, this fire is quickly spreading. This is fabric. Oh, and then it hit the back of his neck. He's like, what the fuck is that? And looked up, he's like, oh, I don't approve of this. It reminds me of the final boss in Silent Hill when it's raining fire. What, the first one? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. That's right, you wouldn't, because you never finished it. Nope. You're a quitter. I'm not a quitter. We both agreed. I had no way. I had no... You f- could go in there and play it right now. There's no way. I was so low on health. I saved at the wrong time. You did. That's what I'm saying. You could pick it back up. If I you it up, could do it. I believe in you. You could No, do in it. all seriousness, if I pick it up right now, I would die just as quickly as I did back in Colorado. Nah. I had I was on red. It wasn't in Colorado. Oh. What? Just before you joined the military. It came out in ninety nine. You came out in ninety nine. No, I didn't. I came out in eighty. Okay. For my mama's veggie. Uh, don't remind me. Yep. I was so low on health. All it took was one shot from her, and I died instantly. And I had no health, no health pickups. I had nothing. I had nothing. Like, I was just, I blame myself for that. That was totally my fault. But it, it, it you're good at Silent Hill. If you picked it up right now, you'd die. No, I wouldn't. I know you would. Mm-mm. Guarantee it. Nope. We'll turn the shit on right now. How many times have I played that game and beat it? Okay, go to, go, go to, was it Sybil? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Go to Sybil, let her shoot you down until you have no health, then overtake her. Oh, no. If I was in your situation, yeah, I totally would have died. That's what I'm fucking saying. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But I'm saying if you picked it up from the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I picked it up from the beginning. Yeah, I'm saying if I picked it up from my last save point, no. Mm-mm. I was gone. Yeah. There's No. There's, yeah, there's, that was a lose-lose. It was a lose-lose. But you've had a lot of years. You've had 20. Oh, my God. It's been 20 years. 20 years, yeah. You've had 20 years to pick it back up and try it again. Well, I could totally do it, yeah. Do it. I don't know. I'm playing Days Gone and I'm playing Mortal Kombat right now. No, I don't. I can't. Your plate is so full. You could find time. Okay. Okay. I'm holding you to it. I won't do it, but okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll make it sound good for the podcast. Sure. Burning around fire. And it burned, burned, burned. Burn. And it hit my fucking neck. And I was like, what the fuck? Is on my neck, and they're like, "That's wax! What the fuck?" And you're like, "Wow!" That's I don't just... think that song went anything like that. I think that's exactly how that song mm, went. That's no, it should have gone. The ring of fire, the ring of fire. That's how it went. Oh, cool! Could you imagine if it like landed on the inside of your pinky, like right here, Ooh. like the soft part, Ew. or like the webbing of your pinky? And your ring or finger. like anywhere on your body, or just like if it, or the top like of your hot wax. the top of your ear, yeah, like anywhere. Oh man, or the tip of your your nose. eyelids, or your your whole body, or anywhere, your, or up your pee hole, if or you're anywhere. It, why is your penis out in the burning circus fire? Why wouldn't it be out in the middle of a circus fire? It's a circus fire, right? Du, Moving on. Du, 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 du. <laughs> Wax hurts. I think I want to not do the podcast anymore. I want a divorce. Thank you for listening to the last episode of Martinez and Macab. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, they did all these multiple investigations coming back to story at hand. And uh, Edward Hickey had been at attendance at the circus with a group of children. And he testified several times before the coroner about what his investigation revealed. His first time in front of the coroner on July 11th, he said, quote, We determined that the fire originated in the southwest corner of the main tent, back of the blue bleacher section, and that there had been located beyond the main tent at this point the men's toilet. And the northeast section of the canvas which comprised the men's toilet was adjacent to the southwest wall canvas of the main tent, back of the bleacher seats. A dude lit his own fart. <laughs> One of the props that held up the top row of the blue bleacher seats showed evidence of severe burning at the bottom of the frame, and the ground immediately surrounding this area was slightly burned. There was intensified fire at this point. From the evidence found on this ground and at this point, it is my opinion, a state fire marshal, that the origin of the fire was at this point. This is the only prop that was severely burned in this particular section, and that the fire centered on this prop and climbed upward from the side wall to the top, end quote. He went before the coroner again on August 10th. Hey, hey. Hey, that's my anniversary. That's your birthday. 
giving what he believed was the cause of the fire. Quote, as state fire marshal, I find that the cause of the fire was the result of carelessness of some unknown person who threw a lighted cigarette underneath those bleachers, end quote. I think that's what drew you to me. What? You didn't know my birthday was August 10th, but you were like, there's something tragic about this man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. It says brooding and darkness. <laughs> And chicken wings. Somebody testified in front of a coroner on his birthday. There's something about him that screams garlic parmesan wings and death. (laughs) There's something about him that's brooding and dark and curly fries. (laughs) And I fucking dig it. (laughs) I kind of like it. It's death and burritos coming from this guy over here. Mm-hmm. Sure, he's wearing a suit and he looks really nice. This one over here, though? Pizza rolls and murder. <laughs> <laughs> so in the Star Wars universe, would you be dark or would you be light? Hmm? Would you be like the dark side? I don't know. You'd be the dark. You'd be like a Sith thingy. You know who I think you'd be? I think you'd be like when there's like a huge lightsaber fight and you're that one that's in the black robe with the black hood, like the monk looking thing, and you're not moving. And you know when you watch the scene like that, you're like that you're like you're watching a fighting, like, oh this is good choreography, this is good choreography. Oh look at that. Oh boom, 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 boom. That motherfucker in the back's gonna do something horrible. <laughs> that motherfucker in the back they got some other sleep, but he hasn't moved. Hasn't moved an inch. Like, you know how, like, they, they, they put their arms across and their arms inside their own sleeves and they just sit there mm-hmm. and with their head down so you can't see the face. And, it's, and and one of the good guys just looks at him and he and they goes, wah! And he comes out and he has, like, 17 lightsabers and he has, like, 17 arms. You're like, You'd have to have 17 arms for 17 lightsabers. Yeah, if you're lazy. But my point is, is you'd be one of those. <laughs> Never know what's coming. Yep. I'm a watcher. Yep. Sith rum. That's you. That's me. Thomas B. Brophy, an expert witness from the Fire Investigation Bureau of New York City, was called in to investigate the fire as well. He agreed with Hickey on where the fire had originated and possible cause, stating, quote, If there was dry grass or some other combustible material in or near the point where the canvas wall was draped on the ground inwardly, there is a possibility that a careless smoker might have started the fire, end quote. I'd be such a horrible witness, expert witness. Given your years of expertise, Mr. Jones, can you tell us how did this fire start? Mm. Is this on? Fire. It got hot. How'd it start? <laughs> it was lit. How? If I really have to explain how fire is made, then I think we're all in a bunch of trouble here. You can ask a caveman how fire starts. Uh, It starts a lot of different ways. (laughs) Have you ever seen lightning strike a bill of hay? That's how fire can start. You ever did the flint thing? Fire can start that way too. You ever took a cigarette and just threw it at a thing and it caught fire? That's fire. (laughs) That's how it starts. What was the cause of this fire? A fire. (laughs) A little fire that turned into a big old fire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it turned into a hard day for everybody. And it rained wax. Where did the fire start? Where it originated? And then it spread. <laughs> I would treat them like they were such idiots, even though I wouldn't give a good answer to anything. It started where it started. Okay, so what originated? Where did it originate? And what caused the fire? Uh, something that was flammable. And it started where it started. <laughs> um, I have to poop. Can I go? <laughs> You're excused. (laughs) Well, the coroner interviewed over 50 people and discovered that the seat men that were assigned to be under the southwest bleachers were actually all under the northwest bleachers when the fire started. Smoking reefer! Which is why it was not quickly contained. Strangely enough, though, none of the seat men were brought up on charges of involuntary manslaughter. Just like the vice president and the electrician and all these other people... That weren't responsible for watching for fucking fires. <laughs> but the seat men weren't charged. And they were responsible for looking for fires. I bet the vice president was like a guy in a top hat. Like the Monopoly guy. Yeah. And it was like, uh, so 
where were you when this fire started? He's like, meh, in my tent, counting the cash from the ticket sales. <laughs> See, meh. Twisting his mustache. Twisting his mustache. Meh. Looking at you with my monocle, even though my eyesight's fine. <laughs> Ask the electrician. <clears throat> You're going to get an invoice for my appearance here, meh. See, meh. In the coroner's record of inquest that was released on January 11th the following year, the coroner sided with the experts, stating that the fire was, quote, caused by the carelessness of an unidentified smoker and patron who threw a lighted cigarette to the ground from the blue bleacher stand. The evidence before me does not disclose this to be an act of an incendiary, end quote. For the next five years, it was all just a horrible accident. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> in, dot, dot, dot. In 1950, a man by the name Robert Dale Segge was being questioned by the police about some unrelated arsons in Circleville, Ohio. During the interview, Segge claimed that the, he started the circus fire in Hartford. He was a roustabout for the circus and had been 16 at the time of the fire. What's a roustabout for the circus? Someone that goes and sets it all up and takes it all down. They... The roustabouts are the ones that oh, wait, like no, I know what that is. carnivals or like the newbies on a crab ship or or um, oil rig mm-hmm. roustabout. Yeah, yeah, they're like the green ones that just do what other people tell them to do. They're labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Because I was trying to look for work on oil rigs, and the only thing I qualify for is a roustabout. And I was like, and it was like. Roustabout. I was like, okay, roustabout. Because I didn't care because oil rig is money. Mm-hmm. That's good pay. I mean, you could you could be like, you could pull up to an oil rig and be like, can I, can I take a shit in your bathroom? And they're like, yeah. And you take a shit and they're like, here's $500. Like, that's how much money you make just being around the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, roustabout. That sounds good. And then I looked at the qualifications of being roustabout. I was like, I don't want to do that <laughs> at all. Yeah. That's like, it's good pay. It's damn fine pay. And if you're a roustabout for an oil labor, rig. Though. Then God bless you. But I saw the, the, and I'm not a lazy guy. You know me. I'm not a lazy guy, but I saw that. I'm like, wow, this really seems like an underpaid job. Yeah. <laughs> it really seems like you're doing a lot for mm-hmm. not that much. But the pay is amazing for a roustabout. <laughs> but like when you look at the work. Yeah. Like, no, no, thank you for that. So, yeah, he had been 16 at the time of the fire and working for the circus as a roustabout. And uh, he ended up signing a confession to not only the circus fire, but numerous other fires and several murders. He said he had a nightmare in which a Native American was riding on a flaming horse and telling him to set fires. Well, then you have to do it. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. He claimed that following the nightmare, his mind went blank. And by the time he got his bearings back, the fire had already been set. We call that a vision. What's this we? No. I never called it shit. I have no idea. That's right. You have no idea. All right. (laughs) He ended up being convicted of multiple arson charges in Ohio later that year and was sentenced to 44 years in prison. But as far as being the circus fire starter went, he recanted his statement shortly after writing the confession and no one was able to actually place him anywhere in Connecticut the day of the fire. Add that to a history of mental illness, and you don't have a very plausible confession. So what, was it, did he just confess that to sound like a badass? I guess so. He was just mentally not all there, and he was like, sure, I'll say I did that one too. <laughs> then they'll really be impressed. <laughs> Segi continued denying starting the fire for the remainder of his life, Dying in 1997. So he went for 50 years saying, I know I said that, but I was lying. That wasn't me. Did he die in a fire? No. Aw. Yeah. Almost 50 years after the fire in 1991, a three-person team reopened an investigation into the fire. After doing burn tests with grasses and cigarettes in multiple different settings... They determined that it was unlikely that a lone cigarette could have ignited the fire and that the fire probably actually started outside of the tent, in the men's bathroom tent, which was right up against the wall of the circus tent. Lighten your own farts. The grass under the blue bleacher section where the fire was first noticed was largely untouched by fire, indicating that a cigarette flicked onto the ground probably wouldn't have ignited the grass or the tent. 
but looking at burn patterns and pictures and statements of witnesses, it seemed to be that the fire started in the bathroom tent that was just an inch or two from the circus tent. It went unnoticed at first, probably smoldering for a bit, which could have been missed because most people were in the tent enjoying the show at the time, and generators outside of the tent were creating smoke as well, which could have masked the sight of any smoke. By the time the fire had transferred to the circus tent, it was probably a significant fire, which contributed to the quickness with which the fire spread through the big top and those dipshit seatmen that weren't where they were supposed to be. Those lazy Larrys. That never got charged for anything, but other people did. Yeah. Although two years of reinvestigation found that the fire started in the shitter, it still could not be determined if it was an accident or not. There may have been flammable items like cloth or sawdust or canisters of combustible materials inside or nearby the toilet tent. Could have maybe just been a short in the generator. Someone could have taken a piss and tossed their cigarette without paying attention to where it would land, and it just so happened to land in the exact wrong place. Or someone could have put flammable or combustible items in or around the toilet tent and flicked a match, deliberately starting the fire and killing 168 people, injuring hundreds more, and ruining countless lives in the process. And that's why they refer to the Hartford Circus Fire as the day the clowns cried. Never really cared for clowns myself. Yeah. And there are multiple pictures you can find of this fire online, including one of the clown carrying a pail of water, which is why they dubbed it The Day the Clowns Cried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that's the Hartford Circus Fire, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly did. I couldn't wait to record this. This is just fucking funny to me. This is a good day for you. Because it's not what you expect from a circus at all. <laughs> so You I, expect joy and laughter. Yeah. And nostalgia. It's supposed to be happy and fun. Not fire raining down on you. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> well, if you liked what you heard, please get on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. It's one of the best ways to help us. It lets us know that lots of weirdos like you have listened and you like it. And it lets other weirdos know when they're reading the review that you've liked it and maybe they'll like it too. And that just helps us. It's good. Thanks in advance. Yeah. And thank you to all of those that have already done so. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, send us a screenshot of any review you've left and we will send you a free sticker to anywhere in the world. And please check out the other great podcast on the Murderly Network when you have some time and show them some love. You can find all of us at murder.ly on the interwebs. If you would like to be a real baller and financially support the show, please go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinis in the macabre and make a pledge. Even a $1 pledge gets you access to our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies like a certificate of achievement for avoiding heart failure and tuberculosis. And good for you. Or a heart failure slash tuberculosis awareness ribbon keychain made by the Snuggle Bunny himself. I do it. And once again, thank you to our patrons, Kirsten Arbalario, who we have already spoken with and we are getting ready to set up our Skype with her. One of our newest patrons, Bender. Hey, look. What? It's a Bender, uh, I'm sorry, Bender, uh, Bender, oh, my phone is dying. It's not letting me adjust my brightness, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know it increases battery consumption, you dick. <laughs> uh, Bender Dollywall? Dollywall. That's how I was reading it, too. I sent out your package. You got it. Awesome. Great. Says, Love at, the tweet. At martinis and at martini underscore macabre. It's real. I don't have tuberculosis and I love avoiding heart. I love avoided heart failure. Love you, Billy and Erica go. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And it's Aww. a little picture of him in front of his TV with our podcast. That's up and awesome. Ready to go. I love that. Just yeah. uh, check out, check out our uh, 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 Twitter page and I retweet it so you can see it on ours. Yeah. So you guys share with us pictures of you guys with the stuff we've sent you. That would be amazing. It, Thank it, you, Bender. It actually warms our hearts to yeah, see stuff like that. Yeah, that's just, ah. Uh... That's so neat. <laughs> that's great. 
So yeah, thank you, Bender, Bonnie, Bridget, another newer one, Caroline, Chelsea, Christina, Cooper, Corina, Corey, Donald, Dylan, Belfast Grace, Hunter, Jennifer, Kate, Christy, Kristen, Lady Danger, Marie Maxime, Molly W., Monica, Sue, and Vanessa. You awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. All of current Patreon supporters and the past, you guys still have our undying love. And now you can make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link on our website. It's martinisinthemacabre.com near the bottom of the homepage. And on the homepage today, which you guys will be listening to this today, but by the time you listen to this, if you go to the website, I've put a button link at the top of the website with Minimus Noah's next album, which just released yesterday. So click on that if you want to hear his new album. It's called Bog. It's the very top in the header of the homepage on our website. So it is out there now. Oh, and regardless of anything that ever happens, and you know who we're talking about, because I'm going to say your fucking name, we love you, Amy Barton. We do. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis and the Macabre, and on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. And be sure to join our fan page on Facebook as well at Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. We love interacting with you guys, and feel free to post whatever you like on the pages and to share our posts. Sharing our pages, posts, and tweets helps to get the word out, so share away. And uh, real quick, I want to give a shout out to an officer that I work with, Mr. Hensley. He's supposed to be starting his own new podcast after listening to ours. So that's exciting. So can't wait to hear it, Hensley. He's my bro. Visit our website, martinisinthemacabre.com to learn a little about us. Listen to our complete episode catalog or to listen to all the songs created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode. Keep listening because another one will be at the end of this episode and I will be getting off of his new album. So new music. Woo! Woo! And be sure to find his first official album release called Views on iTunes, Spotify, and many other music providers. He currently has Bog Out on one provider, but he said he will be getting that updated very shortly so go find bog too for all we know it's updated now could be for any questions comments or topic suggestions shoot us an email at martinis at gmail.com or you can use the contact page on the website and we recently just had someone reach out to us about covering a certain topic and she offered to send some research or mm-hmm. some help with that so thank you so much for that we appreciate it And once again, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, Snuggle Bunnies, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't catch on fire. I'm going to hug the mic. You you hugged it with your hands. That's not... There you go. There it is. Love you.